before we get going with the latest episode of the podcast, real quick, I want to, uh, this is something I'm going to start doing on the show, so get ready for it. Hopefully you're prepared, but I'm going to let you guys know where you can go float. There's a couple new places in town <laughs> across the world where you can go float. First and foremost, if you are in Ireland, go check out Zero Gravity Float. It's in Cork, Cork, Ireland. If you are in Bozeman, Montana, go check out New Wave Float Therapy. Syracuse, New York, you can go float at Syracuse Meta Wellness. If you are up in Canada, Tilsonburg, Ontario to be specific, go float at Wave Wellness Retreat. And lastly, if you are in California, specifically Tracy, California, there is a Bikram, I think that's how you pronounce it, Bikram? Bikram? I think it's Bikram. Bikram Yoga Studio. Go float. These are all brand new places where you can go and relax and experience the wonderful benefits of floating. Go find them all on Facebook. And then if you do happen to stop in and float at any of these places, tell them that you heard about them on the Energy is Love podcast. If you haven't yet, also make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I don't care if you don't listen on iTunes. I don't listen to podcasts on iTunes, but I'll still go and subscribe to podcasts on iTunes. That might not make sense, but trust me, just go do it. Subscribe. Tell somebody about the podcast. When you're driving down the road and you're listening to the podcast, turn it up really, really loud with your windows down. And then when people are like, hey, what are you listening to? You can tell them it's the Energy is Love podcast. And then tell them to go to energyislovepodcast.com. That is where you can find everything about the podcast. My guest on the show today is Travis Tate. So Travis is a local comedian here in Salt Lake City. And a few weeks ago, my wife and I had a date night at Wise Guys Comedy, which is in downtown Salt Lake. And lo and behold, Travis walks up on stage. He was emceeing one of the events. Long story short, turns out Travis is also our mailman. So that was kind of cool. So delivering our mail is his day job. He just delivers our mail. Nobody else is. But he's a comic and it was super awesome. He did really well. We got a kick out of watching him. He's a hilarious guy. So the next time I saw him, I said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? And he's like, hey, sounds good. But he's a funny guy. He's down to earth. We had a really, really good chat. He did a wonderful job of kind of sharing through his process when it comes to stand up, sharing his experience. Um, he's been doing it for like six years now. So he's he's getting to that point where he's a veteran, I think, at least from where I'm standing. And it was just fun, man. He's a really good, sweet, dear-hearted guy and happens to be incredibly funny. You can find Travis online, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, I think he's on Twitter too. Just search out Travis Tate Funny. That's his, uh, I, I always want to say moniker. It's not your moniker. <laughs> That's his uh, handle. I don't know what the hell that is, but go find him on online. Go find him on Facebook. Go find him on Instagram. He's got some uh, videos up on YouTube. You can also go to our Facebook page, find all of these links. And if you're listening, which you are, in the show notes, you can find all the links where you can follow them. Most weeks, you can find them at Wise Guys in Salt Lake City. If you're listening here locally, I highly suggest you go and check them out. And for now, you get to sit back and relax and enjoy a wonderful, funny, thoughtful, interesting, educational episode of the Podcast for the Universe with my wonderful guest, Travis Tate. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. 
Okay, Travis, that's it, man. All right. <laughs> We're up and going. Sweet. Let's do it. Sitting in the, uh, I, I want to say this is the family room, but it's totally not the family room. We have a family room downstairs, but it's not finished. Uh. One day it'll be the uh, family room slash recording space, but this works. Yeah, this is sweet. So I want to tell the story of, um, not why you're on the podcast, but I think it's kind of funny. Uh, do you care if I tell how, I guess you don't care if I tell you how we uh, figured out. I'll just make it simple, right? Rather than sit it. here and try yeah. to fumble through it. So my wife and I go to Wise Guys like two weeks ago, a week and a half ago or whenever it was. It was probably last week, right? Yeah, it was last week. Yeah. Yeah. Last week. And um, we're sitting down. We're ready to watch the show. It's Christina P. We're super excited. <laughs> and then uh, you come up on stage and my wife leans over and she's like, I think that's our mailman. And I'm looking and I'm like, uh, I don't know. And I kind of look <laughs> for a minute and you get going with your stuff. And I'm like, by God, it is. I couldn't <laughs> believe it, man. So tell me how long it, you said you've been doing stand up for like six years, right? Yeah, a little over six years. Started in 2011. And it was it was the week before Halloween. The week before Halloween. Yeah. What? Uh, why? First off, I just always wanted to do it. Like and literally, as yeah. far back as you can kind of remember. As far back as the first time I remember seeing stand up, I was like, I want to do that. What about it? Like, what appealed to you? You think? I just always like make, making people laugh for one thing. And there's the freedom of it. Like a lot of people want to go into acting or, I mean, everybody wants to do something creative. Mm -hmm. Some people work with wood or paint. Uh, I just wanted to do stand up. It's just, <laughs> I just saw it. Like I used to watch, uh, there was live on the sunset strip. I'm a few years older than you. I went to school with your brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you even remember it, but like on, it was like the local Fox channel. It sounds night. familiar. And they would have, and that was back when like a carrot top was pretty new. He was on it. And p people from that generation of stand up, Emo Phillips. And I just remember thinking, this is cool. I want to do this. <laughs> like, and I always just put it off. I got married right out of high school. So started having kids. So it wasn't really something I can do. Plus I was still, I played like indoor football and stuff like that. So that was taking up a lot of my time too. And then I would always talk about it. And finally, my wife said, either go try it or just shut up about it. <laughs> so, so it was always that itch in the back of your right, mind. Right. And I always had ideas for jokes and things like that. Never formally trained on how to write a joke or anything like that. There are classes and things like that people take. But I mean, it's all just kind of instinct and whatever your style is. It's It's mostly about being yourself when you're on stage. So... You can learn kind of how to write a joke, but as far as like delivering it authentically, that's just something that takes time. Time so, and practice. Huh? Yeah, there's no shortcuts in stand-up. So when you say you've always kind of wanted to do it, was it... Because I think about stuff that when I was a kid, I used to think, oh, I wanted to do this, or I wanted to be that, or whatever the case may be, right? And over time, those things just fade away, and you seem to forget about them. Was this the type of thing that just was kind of consistently throughout the years would always kind of creep up and not right. rear its ugly head in a sense, but just kind of always be there. Yeah, for sure. And every once in a while I'd, I'd, you know, get online and kind of research open mics and how they worked and where I could go to one. And then I'd talk myself out of it every time. Huh? Yeah. But then finally <laughs> it was time. And honestly, I think it was just the right time for me to do it. Maybe if I had done it in my t early twenties, maybe I would have been too cocky and flamed out and I would have been horrible and never done it again. 
So when I did it in my mid thirties, I had a little more perspective on life. I had something to talk about, you know, been beaten down by things over the years <laughs> and you work a little harder. You want it a little more. So I think that was just the right time for me to start. Yeah. I think timing is everything, right? For sure. Like if you can think back over your life, every, I can do that where it's like every big change or every, you know, next experience or next circumstance or relationship or job or whatever the case may be. Typically it was a timing thing where the stars aligned and everything just kind of worked in that moment to kind of push you in that direction. Right. And I see people now that start, that have started either, either right before me or right after me and they'd get two or three years in and they think, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I need to move <laughs> to New York or LA. And some of them have moved and moved back and then moved again. And you know, that's their journey. And there's no shortcuts. Like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not, it's not. So the main thing is just try and be as happy as you can and enjoy doing stand up in the meantime. Yeah. Enjoy where you're at, regardless of where that is. Right. Right. And my goal is not even to be famous. If I could just make as much doing stand up as I could at my day job, I'd be good with that. You'd be happy. Yeah. I think that's everybody's like in the beginning, especially when it's something that you're super passionate about. Like I love the podcast, right? And right. I'm super passionate about podcasts. Obviously podcasting doesn't pay like anything <laughs> unless yeah. you can, neither just stand up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm passionate about it and I enjoy it, but I let go a long time ago of thinking that it was going to be something that I could make money at. It was more or less just that creative outlet, just that thing that I could do. Right. That I enjoy doing, I get to chat with people that I like and get to learn more about stuff. And, um, but standups way different, obviously than podcasting. There are similarities. That's why a lot of standups do podcasts, but I mean, there is podcast is more long form mm -hmm. and is more discussion based and there's not the pressure to hit with a joke every, every five, 10 seconds. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's in podcasting. You can tell a little bit longer story. You can tell stories that wouldn't work on stage that will still end up being funny. And you'd listen to it on the podcast and think, Oh, that was a great story. Why don't you do that on stage? Well, because if you told a five minute story on stage and there wasn't a laugh until the end, <laughs> that's probably not going to work very well. So I want to break it down and I want to talk. I mean, we don't have to talk all night long about uh, stand up and everything like I, that. There's I a lot know of lots about it. So <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about it. So that's no problem if that's what we go. But get, take me through the process, uh, just you specifically, because granted, you're going to have a wealth of information in regards to comedians in general and people that, you know, are stand that do stand up, mm -hmm. but your process in general, where like even back in the beginning, like what was it like the first time that you went to an open mic and, you know, stepped out onto that stage and what, what preparation had you taken beforehand? Was it more or less just like, I'm going to finally just wing it and hope for the best or... My first open mic, I went the week before and just to check it out mm -hmm. and just watched. And I kind of got a feel for who had been doing it for a little while and who was new and that kind of thing. And I honestly thought, I think I can do as good as some of these newer people. Because they'll, they'll say, that's their first time, you know, be positive, you know. And I, those are the people I was like, I think I can do at least that good, is the guy that just went for his first, first time. So I went up and I went in between two established guys. And sometimes the hosts will do that because if a new person just completely bombs, even though it's a open mic and you're supposed to be trying new stuff and I bomb at open mic all the time because I'm always trying new stuff. 
sometimes it doesn't work at all. <laughs> so, but you want to keep the, there's people that pay five bucks to be there. It's, it's a paid show. You still want to keep the energy up and keep the show watchable. Yeah. So that, that's why I was sandwiched in between uh, these two guys and I did okay. You know, I did, I got enough laughs that I came back again, but I mean, nobody's going to walk in and just kill at the beginning. <laughs> it's yeah. impossible. What were the nerves like? Uh, I remember thinking I could just leave right now and they might say my name and then just move on to the next person and nobody would ever know who that person was or remember the name. Yeah. So I remember thinking that, but yeah, I was pretty nervous going up there the first time and it took me, there was a, a period, probably the first year I did stand up where, I mean, one guy <clears throat> described it on a, on a podcast described my, he's like, Travis is a really good writer, but He's got the stage presence of like an abused child. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me a while to get over that. It's just, it's a weird thing to stand in front of people and try to make them laugh. Yeah. Is it like, is it comparable to anything else in life that you can think of? <sighs> Not really. Cause I think about like all the times that you feel anxious about something, right? Or something that you're going to go into. I mean, not even just something like public speaking that may have some similarities, but just any circumstance, like a job interview or even the first day of a new job or, uh, you know, a difficult conversation with somebody that you have to have, or you have all this anxiety built up around what you think is going to take place. And yet somehow you still have to move through that. Was it anything like you thought it was going to be? Was it, was it more or less? like painful and <laughs> difficult and honestly I w my expectations were fairly reasonable yeah as far as my first time I was like if I get any laughs I'll be happy with that as far as comparing it to other public speaking things I mean I've spoken publicly at other things and it's okay to have notes in front of you or have everything written down read it right from the thing that's kind of the way it is it's expected if you're giving a speech or a talk or whatever Stand up is kind of like, it's kind of like pro wrestling. <laughs> it's rehearsed. Yeah. You know, you know what's, what's happening, but you need to make it look like it's happening off the top of your head. Like it's not, it doesn't have a, a finish intended already. So it's kind of one of those tricky things where you want it to be as sharp and polished as possible but still make it seem like you just made it up. Like it just popped into your head right. and you're so going to share it with everybody. It's kind of like a lie. Kind of like, kind of like, that's why I said like pro wrestling. Cause you know, you know, they know who's going to win, but that's not what it's about. It's about the art of it. Mm -hmm. It's about making it seem like this is happening live and nobody knows what's going to happen. How different has it? Um, like how different has not just your process of preparing and maybe writing jokes or whatever the case may be, but just, the process that you go through, how different is that now as opposed to when you first started? I think confidence makes a big difference because I used to, when I would write a joke and I, I didn't have a lot of jokes for the first six months or so. I when, you say, when you say write a joke, like physically, like you're writing shit down in I a did. notebook or something. Not like? everybody does. Some people just kind of have an outline in their head mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I do it now. But then I would physically write it down. I would leave a space in between and then I would go tell it on stage and then I would take notes. I'd, I would record it and I'd take notes. This worked. This didn't. And I would do it several times because I wasn't doing weekends at that point. So the only stage time I was getting was open mic. So I was working on these jokes, trying to make them good. 
So I would just take all these notes and it was, it was insane. It looked like a beautiful mind or something like that. My notebooks. <laughs> it only really made sense to you. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I'd give it star. I have star ratings for how many <laughs>, laughs it got or frowny faces. And there was no rhyme or reason to what I was putting in there. Yeah. But over time, and I did that for quite a while, I would write and I still write things down now just so, because sometimes I'll, I'll start a joke and I'll go, that one's not ready yet. I need more time to come up with, you know, whatever's going to make it work. And sometimes that's a year later that that comes to you and I don't want to forget it. So I'll record it or write it down and then you can go back and read it. And sometimes when you go back and read it later, you're like, oh, that's stupid. Why did I say that when I could say this? But now a lot of times I'll come up with something. I honestly come up with a lot while I'm working just because it, it, it opens up a different side of my brain because mm -hmm. I'm focusing on addresses and names and things like that. And the creative side actually gets going a little bit, which is kind of nice. And I'll just write it on a post-it or just make a note in my phone real quick or something like that. And then <clears throat> sometimes I will write it down if it's going to be a lot to remember. I'll just write down little keywords. Yeah. But a lot of times I just kind of remember the spirit of what I was thinking about and I'll go try it on stage. Just try it open mic and see how it works. And I've even had a few, even this past weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday night, I thought of something that day and I tried it on stage and it worked okay. Yeah. It was, it was not as good as the other jokes I did, but for a first time it was really good. But you could tell if you were watching it, you're probably like, that one's not the same as the other ones. <laughs> that one needs a little bit of work. Right. But I've gotten enough, you know, belief in myself that I can fit in a little 30 second thing here and know that I can recover from it and still finish strong. So my writing has changed that way. Like I'll just fit it in and just speed the process up by a month. <laughs> and then <clears throat> that was the other thing I was going to ask you, like, do you ever just go up on stage? Like, have you ever tried just going up with nothing or try going up and thinking, okay, I'm going to open with, you know, what I regularly open with, or I've got these three that I'm going to try and then I'm just going to see what happens. No, I'm still pretty much set list oriented. Yeah. I will spend several days memorizing the set list because I've got the jokes memorized and I just kind of run through the set list. Like if you ever see me walking a package up to your house since I'm your mailman <laughs> and you see my mouth moving, that's a lot of times when I'll practice my set list while I'm walking a package up. I'll just run through nine to 15 jokes, depending on how long the set is. Mm -hmm. And I'm just running through that in my head and then I'll get back and go back to work. But yeah, I'm even an open mic. I will have a list of this is what I want to try. I don't really go up and just freelance. Some people do, and some people are really good at it, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, it's going to be a hard thing to kind of master. That's a whole different style. And even some of the people you go and they're doing a lot of crowd work, here's behind the curtains, a lot of that stuff is prepared jokes. That you can just pull it off and make it seem like it's not? Yeah, they can just mention a doctor, and if somebody's like, oh, I'm a doctor, they've got doctor jokes, and they'll just throw it at them. Yeah. And it seems like it's off the top of their head because that's how they, they phrase it. It's like, how come when I go to the doctor's office, blah, 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 you know, mm -hmm. but they knew they were going to do that ahead of time. That makes sense. Right. I used to, uh, this isn't anything remotely close to the same thing, but I used to wait tables a lot. So I was a waiter mm -hmm. back in the day, a bunch of different restaurants and things like that. And you always had like standing scripts for everything, regardless of what the person was going to ask you. Right. 
So you take their food to their table and they don't like it. You've got a, an answer for that. They want this. You've got an answer for that. You know, they ask what's good tonight. You've already got an answer for that. Right. Just these standing things that you mm-hmm. would repeat over and over and over again to where they become second nature and you only have to think about them. Not anything like stand up, but. <laughs> and that's something that those people can use for 20 years because it's not technically material. So even if they, you know, did a, because a lot of people won't, once they've recorded like a Comedy Central half hour or a Netflix special, they throw that away and they don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But something like that where it's crowd work, it's pretend crowd work, you can use that forever and nobody's going to know because you just don't put it on there. Yeah. You just always have it. Oh, I had a question. Damn it, it was a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me all the time. What's uh, What's the biggest thing that you may not have known going into it or like the thing that people don't really um like that they don't know about you know the behind the scenes stuff or the reality of being a stand-up comic that people may not really uh realize looking at it from the outside i think the biggest thing i've learned because if i would see stand-up even the openers i was like you know that's really cool and i would remember their names because they're stand-up that's cool Mm mm-hmm I think a lot of people, if you're not famous, they don't care. I would say, I mean, I probably performed in front of, I don't know how many thousands of people, but probably most of them don't remember my name and that's fine. They'll Hopefully they remember my jokes and hopefully if they see my face, they'll go, oh, that guy was funny. Yeah. But it's just the in one ear out the other aspect of it. Like if you're not famous, they don't care. <laughs> You know, there's a dynamic to it like that, like like just that thing that you're talking about. Like, I totally get it because when we went to the show, there was you and then there was the other guy that came on right before Christina, right? I don't remember that guy's name. <laughs> and he's actually a big deal. Yeah. Matt Fultron, he's, he's a big deal in, in comedy. Yeah. And I'm not the biggest, like I like comedy and I'm a pretty big fan of quite a few comedians. But uh, that was the first show that I had been to in a really, really, really long time. Like, we just don't go out to uh, watch stand-up all that often. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, but I get what you're saying. And, I mean, it's almost like, especially in today's world where we just absorb something momentarily and then we move on. Right? Like, oh, that made me laugh. And then I immediately forgot about it. And that's got to be challenging coming from your perspective, right? Because that's right. the way that you obviously get more success in stand up mm-hmm. as if you know there's more of a draw for you and people want to see you more and all those kind of things like is there i mean there's not really any way to it you just have to continue to grind it out right yeah i mean there are some amazing comedians out there that nobody have heard of mhm i mean if you even my parents i do stand up i talk about it all the time if i ask them can you name 10 comics <laughs> maybe jerry seinfeld and then they'd start going into like Ellen and then movies. They, Will Ferrell, does he count? No, he doesn't do stand-up. <laughs> and, you know, really quickly evolve into SNL people or yeah, <laughs> somebody that they saw on TV they thought was funny, but that's not a stand-up comedian. So a lot of people don't know. Everybody says, oh, I love stand-up comedy. But most people just kind of like stand-up comedy when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. When it, For whatever reason, they decide to go to a... Right. Go to an open mic night or whatever the case may be. I mean, I would seriously encourage anybody 
go to some of the cheap shows. Like even the local guys, sometimes their shows are five bucks on like a, a Thursday night and it's an off night usually. And it's it's a good show for five bucks. Are you kidding me? Because you can pay 40 for some people that were on Saturday Night Live and you'll walk out going, that stand up? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And that's the other thing too is it's everywhere. Like I don't think people realize that. Um, <clears throat> I travel a lot for work mm-hmm. and so I'm all over the country, all over the place. And I mean, the fact is it's not hard to find someplace to go and watch comedy. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a really neat thing as well. And it's fairly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, some clubs, it does get pricey because they'll have two item minimums or things like that here locally. They don't have that. It For a while it was one item minimum. And then it just like, why fight? Why fight it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Cause most people buy something. Most people buy at least a Coke or ice cream or nachos. So yeah. it's like, just get them in here. If they spend money, they spend money and just get people to come back. Cause if you force people to buy two things, they might not come back because they walk out spending a hundred dollars when they thought they were going to spend 40. What was it like the first time that you felt like you completely just bombed? Mm, trying to think. Maybe it hasn't happened yet. No, it has. <laughs> you tell yourself, uh, like if it's an open mic, you're like, I was trying new stuff. Everybody else was being super dirty. I wasn't being super dirty. The room's kind of ruined after people go super dirty because you can't come back. You can't tell a disgusting joke and then come back with observational stuff about your kids or, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah. Once the crowd is gone there, it's hard to bring right. back. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, they've just had a bucket of turds splashed on them. So, <laughs> uh, so you tell yourself things like, like or... I did, I did a thing for my, my uncle and he's a Bishop of a singles ward in Lehigh uh-huh. and they talked me into coming down there and doing stand up for him for like single for like the, what do they call it? Scratch and dent. <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, it was, I, that was a pretty bad bomb because most of my super clean stuff, which is, it had to be super clean is about being married or having kids and about halfway through I was like oh the one thing these people want is to be married and have kids (laughs) and I'm making jokes about it and they're uncomfortable (laughs) so sometimes it's just the material doesn't match up with the crowd and it's impossible to not let it get to you yeah it does you you can tell yourself don't let it get to you you know you weren't feeling good or they were terrible or it can be a hundred different things but it still gets to you and you're still like, maybe I need to throw all my jokes away and just start over. But then a couple of days later, you start to feel a little better. And then you get on stage again and you do well. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm good at this. Do you consider, like, you've got a day job, right? Right. Like you're a mailman. Do you consider yourself, like, when you think about yourself or when you meet somebody or you introduce yourself or maybe your wife's talking about you or something like that, like, do you consider yourself a stand-up comedian? If If people call me a comic that's fine i usually say i do stand up to me comic is something somebody else calls you does that make sense Mm -hmm. or you call other people because people will do open mic one time and they go on facebook and make a blah blah comedian page (laughs) follow my new comedian page i'm a stand-up comic Uh no you're not you're not (laughs) 
you're not a comic unless other comics call you a comic. So, I mean, do I consider myself a comic? Yes. Do I like say it out loud a lot? I try not to. It's just, it seems weird yeah, to me. That makes sense. So, but I won't correct other people if they say it. So. What's your favorite thing about doing it? Uh, it's just, it's almost like going outside of your body. It's like astral projection or something weird like that, you know, cause you're standing there and they're about to call your name and you're like, all right, start moving your feet, <laughs> start going up there. And after that, you're just kind of popping in and out. Like, cause you've got the thing, the stuff memorized generally, and you're trying to be in the moment. So you're focusing on remembering the joke, what order you're going to put it in, but you're also focusing on the crowd and the energy and if that didn't work, this joke might not work. Maybe I should switch it around and do this one instead, kind of in your head. And there's five different things going on. And then it's like you start doing well, and it's like you're outside your body watching yourself do it. <laughs> and it's just, it's a kind of a trippy thing. But just the performing is, is good. It makes me feel good to go up and make people laugh and know that there's a whole other side of myself. I can go do stand up. And then go to work the next day. Nobody knows that I just performed in front of, you know, 300 people. They don't know. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. It's like an alter ego. I was going to say it's your <laughs> secret identity, right? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I can hang out with when uh, Tracy Morgan was here. I hung out with him Thursday night. <laughs> and then I went to work Friday morning and I wasn't on the shows or anything. But I was like, I was just hanging out with Tracy Morgan last night, and now I'm delivering mail here in Grantsville. This is weird. <laughs> that is weird. It's weird, and nobody knows what. <laughs> it's kind of grounding in a sense, though, right? Right. What have For you? Sure. What, what have you learned about yourself? Like, because I think about any time anybody does anything, because it's a beautiful thing. I think, right? Especially since it's something that. <clears throat> you have so much passion about and you're dedicated to, I mean, you've been doing it for six years, right? Right. And um, it's this beautiful creative process that takes place from the sounds of it. And I think anytime you tap into that creativity, regardless of what it is, it's going to open you up in ways that you didn't even know, you know, maybe existed or right. ways that you hadn't even thought about. Like what have you realized or seen or maybe even haven't seen and now can think about like this is, something that I didn't even take into consideration, but it's benefiting me in this aspect of my life or it's affected me this you know, way in a positive manner or nature, I suppose. I always consider myself just a pretty normal person. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have the same problems everybody else does. Uh, trying to figure out what I'm, what I'm trying to say here. But there's something, and I don't think I'm special, it's just something I always wanted to do. And if you want it bad enough and you're willing to put the work in and also deal with like the heartbreak of it, I think anybody can do just about anything they want. That's kind of what I've learned from it because there's nothing particularly special about me. I mean, I've got a pretty good sense of humor, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing it the way I'm doing it, but it's not better than anybody else's necessarily. It's just different than somebody else's. And I'm the one that showed up and did the work and had the desire to do it. There might be somebody else that has the exact same things inside of them that I do, 
but they didn't do it. Yeah. Just like I didn't do it for however many years I wanted to do it, like 20 years probably. I put it <laughs> off. And for that 20 years, I was that person. I was the one who wanted to do it, but just didn't show up. So if I never showed up, I'd just be the same person. Perfectly fine person. Perfectly happy. But now that I've done it and put the work in, there's a whole nother door that's opened up in my life and all sorts of experiences and opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And it's just gotta, you gotta believe in yourself. And also besides believe in yourself, just kind of put your ego in the corner for a minute. Cause you're probably going to be bad for a while, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. That whole, like, um, <clears throat> like all those things that we tell ourselves, right. All those tapes that we play in our head where mm -hmm. the stuff that you told yourself for 20 years that kept you from doing it. It's so hard for people to get over that. Right. For sure. Did you, is there anything else now in your life that you've started to do that maybe um, you feel like has stemmed because you have been able to get up on stage and perform? And just more confidence talking to people, probably. I mean, <clears throat> I'm still I still don't like a lot of small talk. Small talk's weird to me. Yeah, I know a lot of comics are like that. Fine talking in front of a big group of people, but one on one with a stranger is like, this is so weird. What am I doing here? <laughs> I don't belong here. So, I mean, that makes it a little bit easier to deal with. It also gives me something to talk about because mm -hmm. I feel like outside of stand up, I'm actually pretty boring. Like all the exciting things in my life, I tell on stage. <laughs> so if you've ever heard me do stand up and you want something else, it's like, hmm, what else can I tell this person that's going <laughs> to sound interesting? But yeah, it's just <clears throat> lots of opportunities. I mean, I've been able to meet and work with people like when I was a kid, I never thought I would ever meet this person, let alone open for them mm -hmm. or have somebody record a comedy special for me. Even if it's kind of a local deal, still, it's pretty cool. That's way cool. Yeah. Is there, um, I hate this part of the, uh, not this part of the interview. This is the part of the interview that really sucks. <laughs> no, I hate the part where I have all these things in my head that I want to ask and then they drift out. This makes for great podcasting too when there's a bunch of dead silence. That's gone. Okay. That's, that's not right. coming back. <laughs> you don't think you have any, like, oh, that, that's what I was going to ask. Um, where do you pull material from? Like you said, a lot of times if you're just being yourself, typically that tends to be kind of the best way to go about doing it rather than get up there and try to be a character or something like that. But like, what would people, as you move throughout your day, right? What would for you stands out is like, oh, that's something that I could turn into a bit or, you know what I mean? Is it just stuff that you're creating in your head or is it observations or experiences that you go through? A combination of all of it maybe? For me, it's kind of a combination, but it's mostly based in experiences. Like I'm a bit of a storyteller. I wouldn't say like I'm going to tell 10 minute stories or anything like that. But a lot of my stuff is based on experience I've, I've actually had or at least thoughts or feelings I've actually had. Some of it, not all of it is. Some of it is uh, just absurd. Some people call it absurd, absurdist humor. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, I was sleeping in an alien came and took me here and blah, blah, blah. And it's, and that's funny. That's just not the way I write personally. And other people are observational. It's like, okay, I want to write about going to the vet or having a, a dog. 
and maybe a vet is part of it. And they sit there and write every single joke they can think of about a dog, whether it's going to the vet, going to the dog park, buying dog food, going to the bathroom <laughs> on the floor, whatever. <clears throat> and they'll write all these jokes down and then try and piece them together and make a bit out of it. Yeah. And I do a little bit of that sometimes, but it's usually based around fact or at least something that I've gone through. So, I mean, there's all sorts of different, different styles, but for me, it's a lot of stuff is based on experiences I've had with my kids or, uh, I'm trying to remember what jokes I did at the Christina show. I know I did the one about having big nipples. <laughs> yes. That one's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's always, you know, that's always something I was afraid to take my shirt off as a kid uh-huh. in PE when it was shirts versus skins, man, I was hitting that free throw. I was the same way. Cause I didn't want to take my shirt off. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's just always something. That's another thing is I like to take things that like bothered me or I was ashamed of as a kid and turn that into my power. So I tell that joke and I know I'm going to kill with that joke. And everybody's going to remember that joke. And that's something I felt ashamed of when I was little because I was a chubby kid. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want people to know what I look like underneath <laughs> a shirt, even though, you know, what you look like under a shirt. But now that's, I'm making money because of that joke now, you know, yeah. people remember it. People, famous people come and watch me do that joke and tell me how great it is. So that's me taking the power back on something. So that's a pretty cool thing. That is cool. That's a little cathartic, right? Like yeah. you get up there and kind of be your old therapist in a way. Right. And mo- most of the ones about my kids, it's me goofing up as a parent or me making the wrong choice as a parent. How many kids do you have? Three. Three. Yep. How old? I think, I don't think I know. Um, our, one of my daughters is friends with one of your daughters. Yep. I, I knew that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, is she your oldest? She's my youngest. Really? My oldest will be 22 in May. Holy shit. Yeah. We got... We got married right out of high school. He did the whole, well, that's normal, right? In Utah. Yeah, I I guess. It's totally normal. Like everybody that I know, everybody that I grew up with, everybody got married from like the age of typically 19 to like maybe, like if you waited until you were 23 years old to get married, there was something wrong. (laughs) And so it's all right in that normal range. And I forget about that. And then you meet people from the real world and they're like, what? Like, right. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how old is your oldest? And that's just insane. Yeah, it blows people's mind. Mm-hmm. I did that joke. I did it again this weekend. I do that joke a lot <laughs> about getting married young. And I was opening for Christella Alonzo. Do you know who she is? Mm-mm. She had a TV show on ABC a couple of years ago. Anyway, she's really funny. But that was one of the reasons they approved me to open for her because she liked that joke. Because I saw it online and they're like, yeah, I want this guy to open for me. So, uh, yeah, it it was just insane to them that I would have been married that young and still still be married. Yeah. Like it is insane. It's totally not normal, even though it is normal for us in this society and the culture that is so prevalent here in Utah. Cause I don't think anything of it. You know what I mean? I got married. I was married to my first wife when I was 19. I can't remember. I think I was 19 or 20. I might've been 20 when we actually got married. Um, but yeah, way young, didn't know shit about anything. Didn't know anything about being a parent. Right. And, but yet somehow, (laughs) somehow you find your way through it. Right. Eventually you find your way. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite thing about being a dad? 
just watching them grow up. I mean, here's the thing I, I've noticed lately is when your kids get older, I don't know how old your oldest are. My oldest is 18. Okay. Do you ever kind of like mourn how they're not little sometimes? And you're proud of what they are now. And it's amazing to see them grow up. But you miss that little kid because that little kid is gone. Yeah. I mean, they've turned into an adult. But it's it's also kind of sad when you think about, you know, them jumping on the couch and sitting on your lap or things like that. It's things that you, you don't have back anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a, a weird thing. But just the memories and just hoping they turn into something that, you know, they're happy. <laughs> yeah. And they can contribute to the world. And just watching that process is is pretty awesome. Yeah. I just had that whole experience this weekend. Uh, my oldest, I went in and we went out to lunch and we went to a movie and it was just me and her and we were hanging out. And it was that whole experience of looking at her and yes, seeing the young woman that she is and she's in college and she's doing all these amazing things and she's doing really well in life, right? Really right. super proud of her. And then seeing her as this little tiny, you know, two and three year old little girl right. just running around. And it's like, it just breaks your heart. Like it's so, like it's so weird because it's painful. There's like sorrow and pain right. and all of this stuff that wells up inside of you. But then it's all mixed in with how proud you are. Exactly. And how much uh, like <clears throat> love and compassion and, you know, pride that you have in this thing that you created. And, right. But then it's like, yeah. I used to think too, I remember very well thinking back in the day when they were little, how nice it was going to be when they were old, right? Right. And now it's like, we could rewind the clock. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like if we want to go back to when they were it's two years old. It's a whole set of issues. Oh yeah. Right. It's insane. I can, I can understand why people keep pumping kids out. Boy, I sure can't. <laughs> they just, they, no, it's because they want to have that little person. Yeah. I mean, obviously... I enjoy having the freedom of my youngest is 15 and they can take care of themselves mm -hmm. and they know how to cook. They know how to do their own laundry. That's all great. Yes. But I can kind of see how people want to keep having that in their life. But I, I enjoy the freedom as well. So. Yeah. It's a lot nicer. Cause I didn't, that's one of the reasons I didn't start stand up until later is I wanted my kids to be old enough that they were going to be fine on their own. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Like you're raising kids, right? And there's right. not a lot of time to do anything else besides that. Right. And then my wife got pulled into it. So, I mean, she started, she went to a show with me once and Keith who owns wise guys asked, do you think your wife would work the front desk tomorrow? Cause the girl supposed to do it. Can't come in just one night. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. And then it turned into, do you think in a couple of weeks she could come in and help out? And then it turned into every week and now she runs the West Jordan club. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. So he, he trusts her enough that he's like, I'm going to open this new club. I want you to run it. So, and she's gone a lot now. Yeah. She puts in a lot of hours and they so, have, they have three locations, don't they? Or do they have, right. didn't they, uh, cause there's the one that's downtown and then Ogden and then West Jordan. Yeah. West Valley closed when they moved downtown. And they used to have one in Trolley Square. That's where I actually started doing open mic. And that one closed down too. But. We went to the one at Trolley that isn't there anymore. It was so funny because we had this big date night planned. We were celebrating because my wife just recently graduated from massage school. So this was the big date night thing that mm -hmm. we were going to go out and kind of celebrate. And I had it all planned out. We went to Trolley. 
and we went and had dinner at Whole Foods because they have <laughs> like this amazing kick-ass salad bar. Right, right. So we got our got everything we wanted and then we went and sat in our van and ate our dinner <laughs> and had this wonderful little moment together. And then I'm thinking, this is perfect timing, right? I'm watching the clock. It's going to be fine. We're going to go downstairs, walk over to the club. Everything's going to be great. And we go downstairs and we start walking around trolley. And it had been a very long time since I had been there. And I'm like, I know it's here. Maybe it's <laughs> on the other side of this building. No, it's on the other side of the building. And then finally I pull up my phone and map it. And I'm like, son of a bitch. It's right next to Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> so I was super pissed. And we had to get in the car and I thought we were going to be late and it was a nightmare, but we made it. So That location was weird because it's a huge building, mm -hmm. but the showroom was just this little tiny area. <laughs> yeah. The one at Gateway is super nice. Yeah. Like I, how long has it been there? That one's been there two and a half years, I think. Something like that. Maybe, you, maybe three, but like two and a half. Are you performing every weekend pretty much? Or do you try to Pretty at least? much, yeah. Yeah, almost. I mean, there might there's a few weeks here and there where timing doesn't work out or I mean, I don't expect to work every every weekend, mm -hmm. but when I do, it sure is great. Like this past week I did five straight nights. I did Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday through Saturday, that's five. <laughs> that's way nice. Yeah. And one of them was a private gig, and those are always kind of you never know what you're gonna get <laughs> when it's a corporate gig. But, like somebody buys out the club for the night yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun though. But yeah, five nights of comedy and I emceed every night. So I got paid. That's good stuff. That's way cool. What is your, like other than just hitting it big and being able to tour and travel all over the place and just do stand up, what would be like your ideal dream or situation with it? Honestly, for me anyway. A lot of people want to move to LA or New York and they think they're going to be seen there and maybe they will. Do you think a lot of people go into it in hopes that they're going to get that sitcom or they're going to become an actor or they're going to oh, get yeah. movies and be yeah. famous? Yeah. A lot of people are doing it to become an actor. Honestly, mm -hmm. the problem with doing that is all the best people from each market get good and then they move to LA or New York. Yeah. So you're not competing with the people that were in your market. Now you're competing with the best of every market. And so it's a lot harder and you have to start over cause you're not the best person anymore. Now you're starting from scratch and you gotta make all these relationships and get in with all these clubs and start getting time where before you were probably getting all sorts of stage time. Now you're getting coffee shops and stuff like that. And it's not the same as being in front of a real crowd <laughs> cause I've, I've done both. So for me, at least right now in my life, that's not really something I'm worried about doing, especially with, you know, kids in high school and stuff like that. I just want to get them through and stuff like that. My probably best opportunity would be to open for somebody that takes people on the road and they like me. I'm a big guy. I can, you know, kind of keep people away from them on the road if that's something they need, <laughs> but I'm also funny too, which is important. But if I meet somebody and they take me on the road with them a little, that's a way to meet club owners and get fans in other parts of the country of just doing 20 minutes and you get to do your best 20 minutes and you get to kill. <laughs> and that's pretty sweet. So for me, if that were to happen, that would kind of be a little bit of a dream come true for right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, it's just, just keep plugging. And I've got 
Have you ever heard of uh, VidAngel? No. VidAngel? VidAngel. They take, remember ClearPlay? Yes. It's kind of like that, but they do streaming. Okay. So they were editing streamed movies. I was going to say, people that don't understand what ClearPlay is. <laughs> Like, was that a, that's a Utah-based thing, isn't it? It's a Utah-based thing, but it's huge in the South, too. Really? They'll edit movies. You kind of rent it. I don't think you buy it anymore. You, you rent it from them. Mm -hmm. And they edit it for you while, while it's watching. You put in things you want pulled out. Anyway, they were having some legal troubles with that. So <laughs> I can't imagine why. Right. And to, to kind of span the gap of the money they were not getting while that was going on, they started doing stand-up specials because you can bring stand-ups in, just tell them to be as clean as they can be, and then they're renting those out. So I, I did one of those in in August. It hasn't been edited out, or it's not out yet. Hopefully it'll be out soon. I don't know. <laughs> I have seen it. It, I'm happy with it. Yeah. So that'll be coming out, and you know that'll if people are renting it, I get a little bit of that money for buying it. I get a little bit more. So that's a little, and that's a way to be seen too. And it's a streaming but, service, right? Right. Yeah, I haven't heard of that before. Nobody has. <laughs> well, they heard about it now. <laughs> right. VidAngel, right. where can they find yeah, it? Yeah, VidAngel, put my video out. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you press. <laughs> <laughs> but right now you can't find it anywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's possibly might do something, but odds are probably not. Well, all of it does something, right? In the right. end. Like all of it is putting good energy towards what you love. And I think anytime you do that, it's going to, like you said, the, the opportunities that you've gotten at this point, you would have never imagined when you started right. that this was going to happen. You would never imagine that you would get to this point. And that's the really cool thing I think is, you know, how many times do people not do something because they're afraid, because they think they're going to suck, because they're worried about what people are going to say about them. And then they miss out on all the little tiny opportunities that stem from that one decision that they just decided to get up on stage or to take that job or to turn right instead of left, whatever the case may be. Right. And I, I, I every day talk myself out of things still. <laughs> I'll have an idea for a podcast. I have all the stuff I need to do a podcast. I just don't do one yet. Well, what do you, what's, what's your excuses? What do you, how do you talk yourself out of it? I mean, I live 45 minutes away from any other comics I would do it with. Or... But you travel in there five days a week. That's true. See? Yeah. And it's it's kind of time and also I want an idea and I also don't want to do it for no reason at all. I don't know. It's, it's just like doing stand-up. I talk myself out of it. What would be your reason? Like, what's your reason for wanting to do a podcast? Just to get myself out there so people will listen to it and it's it builds fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the comics that are big now are big because of their podcast. Yeah. I mean, they were good stand-ups before they did a podcast, but then somebody saw them open for somebody else and like, that guy's funny. I'll try his podcast. It's free. Why not? And then they loved it. And then, then they're loyal fans. And then now they're headlining and they'll come every single time they come to town. So that's one reason I want to do it. Plus I like doing podcasts. Anytime somebody asks me to do one, I'll do it. They're fun. It, they're right? fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. They're fun to not just be on, but they're fun to do. Right. Like I love being able to do this and being able to like, you're a perfect example where, I mean, we've lived in this home for, <clears throat> I'm terrible. I think it's like four years, maybe five years. I don't remember how long we've lived here, but we've lived <laughs> here for a little while and you've been delivering my mail that whole time probably. Yeah. 
and uh, suddenly now you're on the podcast. Like I love that aspect where right. I just get to talk to whoever I want to talk to. And like the podcast didn't start out where I was going to, you know, when I started the podcast, it was like, I have to talk to people that practice energy work, that <laughs> uh, believe in crystals and Reiki and the healing power of the universe and all of these different things, right? And I totally believe all of that stuff. Like I'm super... Um, not off the deep end, but I'm, that's what I believe. That's right. my belief system right. is based around all of that stuff. And um, that's why I wanted to do the podcast because I wanted to talk to people like that. I wanted to bring awareness of that stuff. I wanted people to be able to tune in and listen and get ideas that might trigger something in their life in that moment and stick with them and then make them look at life in a different way and hopefully just spread some of that that energy and that love and that good stuff out there. That was the reason why I wanted to start the podcast. And then I got really tired of talking to people about <laughs> crystals and tarot cards and right. all that same stuff over and over again. And rather than quit doing the podcast, I just kind of like sat back and thought like, uh, like what's next? I just want to, I want to keep doing this. I enjoy it. But at the same time, I need to expand and do what I do differently because evolve. Yeah. Right. It's totally just evolution where. Now I just talk to people that I want to talk to. I talk about stuff that I'm really into. Like lately I've been super into men's work and men's groups. And I went on this big expedition last year. It's been massively profound for me in my life. So it's what I'm into in the moment. And so a lot of episodes of the podcast, I talk to guys about that type of stuff. And I bring up um, not just those topics, but guests specifically in regards to that, you know, that stuff. And that's just because that's what I'm into. And hopefully somebody out there follows along and listens and benefits from it the same way. And do you know what I mean? And that, that's just what it's about for me. What is, what is men's group? I don't know what that is. <laughs> so it's like, uh, like a men's group is literally just guys. They get together. Usually it's like on a weekly basis and it can look like any number of things. There's plenty of organizations or platforms out there that you can kind of draw from and learn from. The one that we kind of base ours off of is off of is called Everyman. It's the Everyman organization or whatever you want to call it. And um, it's just guys getting together and really just supporting one another in a space where the way I kind of talk about it or tell people about it, it's like a space where you get to practice emotional um, expression, emotional well-being. You get to share and express and tap into parts of yourself that you don't normally get to in everyday life. For whatever reason, a lot of times it's just because guys aren't supposed to typically do that or nobody mm. ever really showed us how to do that. So it's just a space where it's okay to do that. You're encouraged to do that. And there's techniques and kind of, uh, techniques is a bad word, but <laughs> there's, there's kind of like, um, saving protocols is a bad word. It makes it sound like it's some secret organization where we have, <laughs> it's, it's really just a space where guys get together and support one another, just in that opportunity to express and expand your emotional well-being and health. Mm. And it's like going to the gym for your emotions as opposed okay. to your physical health or your strength or whatever the case may be. And then it, the idea is that you practice that. So then it bleeds over into your everyday life. So then it helps in all your relationships, uh, helps with your own self-confidence and your own self-worth and all those other kind of things that I think guys across the board struggle with, even though not a lot of them deal with it or talk about it. This is the place where you get to talk about right. it and deal with it. And then it makes your 
regular everyday life a little bit easier, a little bit better. It makes sense to me. It's kind of what stand up is for me. Yeah. Honestly. I like I, I like stand ups that are a little more vulnerable and trying to be real. I don't like super broy stand ups that are like bragging, yeah, all these chicks and blue blue. It's like whatever, quit bragging it. I don't it's like rappers. Mm-hmm. I like the old school rappers where they're like talking about coming from the streets or, you know, the hardships of life. That stuff like connected with me when I was a kid. That's kind of how stand up is now. I don't like the braggy stuff. It's like, whatever, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I don't want to listen to how rich you are. Yeah. But that's what stand up is for me. It's it's a way for me to express myself, but in a f- I try to use humor because it, it just makes it a little more a spoonful of sugar <laughs> with the medicine. You know what I mean? Did like, you always do that? Like even growing up and things like that? As far as what? Like the shit that you uh, may, like your nipples are a good example, right? Like you grew up as a chubby kid and you don't want to take your shirt right. off in PE. Did you always kind of address things as, with humor? Yeah, I'd try to make a joke about it as best I could. I, I've got a joke about <laughs> playing Little League Baseball here in town actually. And... My coach wouldn't let me go out of the game. I had to go to the bathroom. So I ended up peeing my pants. I have a joke about it now. (laughs) And I was ashamed about it. And I know people knew about it. And every once in a while, somebody might make, even into high school, somebody might make a crack about it. And it always bothered me. So I just made a joke about it. And now it's like, I don't care if people know because it's funny. Yeah. It's, it was one moment where my coach wouldn't let me go out. I wanted to stay in the game. I didn't have time to run to the bathroom and come back. I thought I could hold it. I couldn't. So what? You know, I was still an all-star that year. It didn't make a difference. It's all that stuff we carry from our childhood, right? Right. right. All those little things that we carry shame for that really, you know, there's no reason. (laughs) Now I hear comedians in LA talk about pooping their pants in traffic because apparently that happens to everybody in LA. (laughs) If if you listen to comedians from LA, every single one of them has pooped their pants in traffic. Yeah. I can't blame them. <laughs> so it's it's no big deal. It's just tell your story. Yeah, I agree. I think the people that are, you know, not just with comics, but people in general, like I hate when I come across people that are fake. Do you know what I mean? Where right. even just in normal everyday life and conversations and you can tell that they have this persona that they're putting on in front of you, you know, this shield or this mask or whatever it may be, they're representing themselves in such a way. When you're sitting there talking to them face to face, and that drives me nuts. I've had guests like that on the podcast where, right. you know what I mean? They hold to like their, um, like their persona or their, the message that they're trying to get across or what they're trying to put out, or, you know, maybe they have a business or you know, whatever the case may be. They have this thing where they have to represent this big grand thing in life that they think that they are, or that they're trying to represent to other people and all these kind of right. things. And then I'm sitting here talking to them and I'm like, <clears throat> I don't want to talk to that person. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we can have that conversation for like five or 10 minutes, but then you need to get rid of that shit because I want right. to have an honest conversation with who you are, not with the persona that you want to put forward. And sometimes they hold on to it like, like, you right. know, death grip. People forget that there's two sides to everything. I always look at life as like a coin mm-hmm. and some people will pile everything on one side of the coin. They don't even know what's on the other side. They just, that's the side they know. That's where I'm going to invest everything. <clears throat> Do you, you knew Christ, who Christina P was, right? Or did yeah. you just, so you listened to your mom's house probably. Uh-huh. Did you listen to the one with Bill Burr? Yes. 
So they were talking and we talked about it that weekend actually, because it was the same week, uh, with, with Matt and Christina. And we were talking about how standups and it's the older standups, the ones in their forties, which I consider myself, I am 40. <laughs> so they're the ones that are the more edgy standups cause they're actually telling the truth and they're looking. That's what my favorite comic is Bill Burr and he's super funny, but my, the thing that I love about him is he looks at both sides of something when he talks about it. I don't like preachy standup, whether it's one side or the other, because they're only looking at one side of it. If you can look at something and turn it around and find all the funny things about it, no matter, even if it's something that goes against what you originally thought was going to, was going to be what the joke was about. I mean, that's intriguing to me, Mm -hmm. but some of the younger people now, I mean, that's what that whole episode was about was about younger people are like, no, this is the way it is period. And that's kind of what the world was like on the other side of the spectrum when we were kids. It was, don't say that, that's a bad word. And it's whole different words. Yeah. It was a different F word than this is the F word you can't say now. Uh-huh. And both of them are right. You shouldn't, I mean, like if I'm at Disneyland, I, I said this to my wife the other day, and I hear somebody say the F word, okay? I'm not offended by the word. I'm offended that they're so careless to other people. They would say it like Disneyland. Yeah. That's like, come on, this is Disneyland. There's little kids everywhere. So it's not the word. It's the carelessness of people saying the word and words are a whole different thing. I could. (laughs) (laughs) No, it makes sense though. And like you said, we had a, I think it is the same thing. It's just different stuff, right? So the stuff that we grew up with in that earlier generation where you couldn't say this or you couldn't say that, or things were looked at in such a specific way as right or wrong, or the dis- this is just simply the way things are. And nowadays, uh, people look at those things, like for example, <clears throat> the whole dynamic, I think about this all the time because I technically, like I don't work a traditional nine to five job, right? I don't go to an office. I don't have something that gives me a regular paycheck. I don't have a retirement. I, I don't have any of that stuff anymore. Uh, but that was very much growing up the standard. Right. And it was for a very long time, you know what I mean, in our society where that was just what you achieved in life. You were eventually able to find the one job that you were good at and you were going to do it for 20 or 30 years and then you were going to retire and that was it. And I think that dynamic has shifted, even though it's still like hanging on in some regards, but I don't think that really works anymore. And I think that people are shifting away from that dynamic and realizing that you're going to have a lot of jobs throughout your life and that's okay. And I think it's really like people are really trying to realize as well that you have to do what you love, right? Right. You do stand up and that's what you're passionate about. That's where you should be devoting your time and energy. And yes, you have your day job so that you can put food on a table and a roof over your head. But at the same time, the main focus and energy is what you're passionate about. But I also think that like, the, cause I think about my kids, right. And my kids are in this generation where like, they're kind of dumbasses, and <laughs> <laughs> they kind of think that, you know, they, they understand the dynamic of it's, it's silly to think that they have to just have one job and work that career for 20 years, right. but then they don't understand that. Like you have to work, like you have to find that yep. happy balance where, you have to commit yourself to something and you have to show up and you have to invest some time and, and 
you know, whether it's work, it doesn't, I mean, it could be school, it could be anything. You have to do those things in order to get to the point where you can kind of be in this place of like, well, what's my passion? What do I want to do? Do you know what I mean? You have to build right. on that foundation. And it's swung to this opposite end of the spectrum, I think, where they just all think that they can show up and people are going to give them things and that's it. Like, that's how things work. Right. Like, I love being creative, but that's not enough just to get through life is to just be creative. Because <laughs> I had all those years of working hard and learning how to work. Because I see people that start stand up now, and they're just lazy and they don't appreciate it. Honestly, it's frustrating. Yeah. They think I can just go up and... I'm, I'm 20, I'm cute, huh? people are going to laugh because I've got long hair and blah, blah, or whatever, you know? I'm goofy, I'll talk about smoking weed and doing it. It's like, all right, what else you got? Yeah. Because there are 20 other people just did that. What else are you going to talk about? Talk about a real experience. <laughs> and you you don't gain that until you go out and... Live life. Live life. You Most of humor is, it's tragedy plus time equals humor. <laughs> I mean, you can just tell, if you just went up and talked about like happy things all the time, that's not funny. It's what makes it funny is that you actually like had to suffer through something, no matter if it's a stub toe or somebody saying something that frustrated you or actual like tragedy. That's what makes it funny later mm -hmm. is because you went through it, you survived it, and this is your perspective on it. Yeah, I totally agree. I had another question and it just escaped me <laughs> as you were talking. Oh my goodness. I haven't done this in a long time where I struggle this much to remember <laughs> the shit that I wanted to say. Well, I can keep, I was going to go back to why I don't do a podcast. Yeah. That was one thing I was going to ask you, like, go ahead. Why don't you do a podcast? Mostly I think I'm too ambitious with what I want to do. <laughs> like I want to do sketches in it. I, I want to do things that I don't do in my stand-up, but I always also liked when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I loved Weird Al when I was a kid. I'm not going to do parody songs on stage. It's not who I am. But I think they're funny. Yeah. And if I could come up with a little something just to throw in a podcast, I think that would be funny. And, you know, like sketches or fake commercials or even impressions. I don't do impressions on stage, but I think they're fun to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm terrible at them, but they're fun <laughs> to do. So I think doing those in some sort of setting in a podcast would be fun too. Yeah. I want to talk more about it. I got to piss. Okay. And we pause. So it seems like we didn't miss anything. <laughs> um, it sounds like you're kind of a perfectionist. Like you a don't want to bit, start because yeah. it's not going to be exactly the way that you envision it in your head. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely that, that element to it. I don't want it to come out as garbage. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I have that like way bad with everything that I do where right. it's like, I can see something so clearly I can imagine it and I can almost feel it. I can taste it. I can see what it's going to look like, how it's going to be. And then it's like, oh shit, I'll never be able to do it that good. <laughs> right. And like if I did a conversational like this, mm -hmm. if it's a conversation, you can usually tell when it's a good conversation. So, I mean, that that is probably where I should start and just start with that and add on to it. But yeah, all this other stuff, it could come out terrible. Well, I think you just start like at the end right. of the day, you know, like I tell right. everybody if they're interested at all, I've had a couple of people that have been on the show and then they reach out to me afterwards and they want to know like, how do you do it? You know, just walk them through the process of what it takes to create a podcast and <laughs> produce a podcast and get it out there and all that kind of stuff. And it's really easy. 
initially like there's a huge learning curve sometimes if you're not really into audio editing and all those kind right. of things but at the end of the day like it's not that challenging <laughs> and it's not really that expensive do you know what I mean an initial right. investment of like maybe four or five hundred bucks in equipment and then you're off to the races but if you have even just like I'm kind of a good example right I had an idea in my head of a general theme or topic for the show and then just interviewing people um, but I've allowed it to grow and expand and evolve. And so just come up with something. It sounds like you've got it. Like you've got that idea already right. of a general theme or topic or whatever the case may be. You just got to do it now. Like yeah. You just got to commit yourself to do it. Yeah. And one of the things is I don't really want to bother comics coming through town. Like, Hey, will you do my podcast? Yeah. I bet that shirt. Sure, Cause a lot of them would do it and then be like, oh, why am I doing that? You know, <laughs> cause they've already done probably three that week already mm -hmm. and you know, i just feel weird about just because of the situation of i'm not the one paying for them to come to town that's the club yeah you know i'm not the one paying them whether a crowd shows up or not so for me to like hey will you do my podcast it seems kind of weird as far as like taking advantage of the situation too yeah, but are you thinking just like the big names, the people that come into town or? I would definitely not ask like big names. It would be people that I have a relationship with for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just kind of, would that work? You know, and then it's timing also. One, yeah. one thing I'm I'm talking about with a friend of mine, Spencer King, he's a comic, is because all day long I listen to podcasts. That's what I do while I'm working. Just yeah. listen to podcasts. You have the greatest and, job for it. <laughs> yeah. I used to be a mailman. Yeah. Yeah. Way back in the day. Really? It was one of the like 28 jobs that I had <laughs> and, um, it's the perfect job for listening to podcasts. Yeah. I just, <laughs> just listen to it while I'm working. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> one idea I've got is he like would bring up news stories for the day or something. I would just total go news blackout and we would, he would tell me something and we'd riff on it a little bit and try to have fun with it. And then I'd have to figure out what was true and what was not. <laughs> so he would present fake shit as well? Yeah. That's some real, idea. some fake. It could be entertainment stuff. It could be political stuff, whatever. Uh-huh. And then just, yeah, I'd, ha I'd have to figure out what was fake and what was not at the end of the episode. That's a good idea. So um, we might we might go with that. He likes that too. You know what I would do? This would be my piece of advice is <laughs> for whatever it's worth, right? Uh, I would have, I would create something where you could do whatever you wanted in that space. So it didn't have to be, because you see that sometimes where people will have a podcast for this and they'll have a podcast for that. And mm -hmm. then they'll have this other podcast that we only talk about comic books. And then we have the podcast that we talk about this on. Like that shit would drive me nuts. Right. Do you know what I mean? Create something that you can do any number of things in that space and it's okay. Where it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the podcast where you guys just do that. Like you could do that you know, every third episode or when right. those episodes come up, you do that, or it doesn't have to be every episode that time and time and time again, because you'll get 15 episodes into that, 20 episodes into that. And you guys will be like grasping at straws, right. trying to make it fresh and or get new. bored with it. Yeah. Right. And then you've created, invested all this time and energy in putting this thing out there and they're like, shit. <laughs> then you have the guilt of like, I failed. Uh, we need to do it. No, we don't. It's just a nightmare. Right. I've seen that happen all the time where people will go through the process of getting a podcast out there and then they burn out because they've lost sight of, like, I think they don't feel like they can do something else 
than it's whatever not sustainable. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so just whatever it is, make it so that you have the flexibility in that space to do whatever the hell you want to do, right? right? I mean, like you could do Weird Al the Inkovic. You, like you could do song parody stuff right. in the intro, in the beginning of the podcast. That's true. So it doesn't have to be a whole episode based on it. Or it doesn't have to be like the moment in the podcast where we pause for the funny song parody that I did. It could just be your intro music for that episode or whatever the right. case may be. And I definitely wouldn't want to do like a sketch or a song parody just to do one, just to put one, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's nothing worse than a bad song parody. <laughs> there's nothing worse than a bad podcast too. That's true. Like yeah. I'm sure you've listened. Sometimes I'll like check out a new one. Right. And I can't even make it through like 10, ep- <laughs> 10 minutes of the episode. I'm like, sorry, I'm done. Yeah. But, there, yeah. There's even somewhere, you know, I'm a fan of the podcast, but the guest on, I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. You got to do it though. Like you got to stop, like approach it the way that you would stand up. Right. Like you just have to get up and do it. But I also think the way I jumped into stand up and as much time as I put into stand up, <laughs> I would, I would push myself to do that with a podcast too. So that's another thing. Hold me back. Like this is going to take a lot of my time cause I'm going to want it to be good. I'm not going to want to just put out a lousy thing. Yeah. And I would f- just push myself. <laughs> This is another good advice piece of it. I wish somebody would have given me this advice when I started. One of the things that you could do is devote all that time and energy to it and get like 10 episodes done. Yeah. And then and then release and then start um, pushing those episodes out. So then you have like, you can even do more, right? If you're going to release once a week or whatever the case may be so that you have a base of episodes already built up because it gives you this breathing room to where oh shit i didn't find a guest this week or we got caught up in regular everyday life and we weren't able to record but we have 10 episodes already in the bank that we're okay because that's where a lot of people screw that's where i screwed up where (laughs) i didn't have anything recorded i would i went and recorded my first episode released it the next day and like just went bam 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 i like when i first started the first month it was like four or five episodes a week I was just pushing out as much content as I could and it was a nightmare. Like I drove myself (laughs) insane. My wife too. Like it was suck. It sucked. (laughs) But if I had to do it over again, that's what I would do is get a bank of episodes done. So then I could go through the process of releasing them once a week, have a little bit, you know, a little bit of breathing room. And in the meantime, still record and get new episodes and all that kind of stuff. So then I never had a lapse and could account for those time periods where for whatever reason, it just didn't happen because it's going to happen, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's just putting yourself out there and it's not about being famous. Like, like I said earlier, most people don't know who most standups are. Like people will ask me, who have you opened for? And I'll give them names and they're like, I've never heard of them. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's too bad because they're some of the best standups out there. Yeah. And then I'll say, okay, like example, I'll say Nate Bargatze. Never heard of him. Gary Goldman. Never heard of him. Todd Berry. Never heard of him. Those are all amazing stand-ups. And then I'll go, and this isn't a knock on this person. Tom Green. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know Tom Green. Nothing wrong with Tom Green. If he's coming soon, go see him. <laughs> he's funny. But you know Tom Green outside of stand-up is my point. Yeah. You don't know him because of his stand-up. You know him because of his MTV show or because of his movies. So... It's just one of those. Don't you think that's changing though? 
like think about Netflix, for example, Netflix has changed almost everything that we do in, in the world today. <laughs> and right. I think it's changed or is in the process of changing comedy. I don't know because I'm just as guilty because there's almost a new Netflix special every day. Mm -hmm. It seems like, and I don't know who most of them are and I'm, I can't watch everything. I don't even, I don't like to watch a lot of stand up because I feel like when standups watch each other, you pick up little things. And you're drawn too much from it. Yeah. And it's not like a stealing material thing like that. It's kind of, you pick up a cadence or a habit that they do. It, whether it's a hand gesture or something like that. And then all of a sudden you're doing that. Mm -hmm. And then you notice it and you're like, why am I doing that? So I don't like watching it a lot, but most of the people on there, I haven't even heard of. And I know a lot of standups. <laughs> there's a lot, a lot on of Netflix. people. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot that I don't even know. And they'll be holding a microphone. I'm like, is that stand up? I don't even know. You yeah. have to look at it and see what it is. That's the way it goes though. I mean, it's good and bad, right? Cause right. it's definitely bringing more awareness and people get the opportunity to see more comics but then, like I said, at the same time, I mean, Netflix is great for some things, but I think 90% of the time I sit on there and just scroll and try to find right. something to watch and undoubtedly fall asleep because I can't, right? There's just too much shit on right. there. And when, when there's so many specials out there, it dilutes it, honestly. If you're only getting the best of the best, <clears throat> like back when HBO was giving out specials, that was where you saw a stand-up special. It was the best of the best. If you watched an HBO comedy special, you knew you were watching something special. Whether you liked it or not, comedy's subjective. You might not like it. That's fine. But that person was probably putting out 10 years worth of work. And it was condensed down to the most tight, awesome thing they could possibly do. Now people are putting out specials every year or two. And most... It, it, it's like when a band comes out their first album sometimes is their best album because it's when they were lugging their gear around doing little venues here and there building up all these songs and you want people to remember you so you're only doing the best songs and that's 10 years of all that put together that's how stand-up is somebody's first stand-up special sometimes is their best one because that's 10 years of material and life experiences and hard work and sweat and tears and you put it in there and it's amazing. And then they come and they go a year later. They're like, let's do another one. We want to pay for another one. What do you got? And you're just like throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks. So it, it kind of dilutes it when it's not as special. Yeah. Like it's I, so hard. I shouldn't have anything on Netflix. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe in five years I'll be to that point. But right now I wouldn't want to put, I mean, don't get me wrong. If they came to me and said, we're going to give you enough money to pay your house off i'd be like all right let's do it yeah i could come up with 60 minutes right well i've got it uh -huh. is it is it like hbo special quality probably not well i didn't even think of it that way because i think it definitely has diluted it down right because like you said i remember i'm trying to think i because we didn't have hbo growing up we weren't like that good of a family i would watch it at my grandparents house <laughs> i was gonna it. say like I'm, I'm sure i've probably seen some you know on dvd or vhs back in the day right um but it was the good stuff like like you said there was almost a reverie behind it because it was the really 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 condensed version of all their best material and i agree like i watch some of the you know some of the specials that come out now and they're not great right, right. If, the, if it's a comic that i really like then most of the time I'm going to enjoy it regardless. Right. But if it's somebody that 
I, I may know, I may not know, and I watch it anyways. You can tell when it's not good stuff. You can tell when it's not like their A game. Right. And sometimes it's just, honestly, they're trying to fill, we need a woman this month, or we need somebody from this ethnicity this month. And they're just like, this person's hot, or they're attractive, or, you know, they're young, we'll just give it to them, or we need an old person, we'll just give it to this person. It's not for the right reasons. Not that they don't deserve it, because I don't know their story, but sometimes I feel like it's not for the right reasons. Like if somebody came to me six years in and gave it to me, I would take it for sure. You'd be stupid not to, but I'd also go, I wonder why, <laughs> what hole are they trying to fill? Is it, is it the fat guy? Is it <laughs> What's the demographic guy? that I'm hitting? Right, right. They're trying to fill something. It's not because people are pounding down Netflix's door going, Travis Date special now. <laughs> what is the, um, you said Bill Burr was one of your favorites. Who else? Like, who's your comic oh, gold that you go to? Comic gold. I mean, my taste is so weird for stand-up. There's Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, and then I like Jim Gaffigan. I like Brian Regan. I like uh, Kathleen Madigan is super funny. I've never seen her live. She came to Wise Guys before I was doing stand-up. It bums me out. She hasn't been back. But she's kind of a big deal. She does, like, theaters and stuff. Um, Nate Margatze. I don't know if you, he, there's a thing on Netflix called the comedians or no, it's called the standups mm -hmm. and it's like five half hour specials. His is the first one. It's amazing. He's, he's top of the line. Gary Goldman, who I've opened for super funny. Uh, then there's people like Ryan Hamilton. He started, he's from Idaho. He started in Salt Lake, moved to New York and he's got a Netflix special and you can watch that with a five-year-old. And they would laugh at it and it's perfectly clean, but it's so funny. And a five-year-old would understand the humor of it, <laughs> the way he, he crafts the jokes and tells the jokes and inflects his voice. And it's just stuff like that when you can connect with all sorts of different people. Cause my comedy taste is so varying. It's, I don't like just clean. I don't like just dirty. I like just funny Yeah, and things that connect with me. So it's all over the map. <laughs> Who would be the person that you would want to go on the road with? Like that guy or a gal that came into town and. That is a hard question. Well, anybody, right? Like it's the Netflix special that comes calling. You're not going to say no. There's probably right. somebody you'd say no to, to going on the road with. Mm, I can't think of anybody. <laughs> if it was going on the road at this point in my career where I'm just trying to put myself out there, I'd probably put up with quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, I tend to like female comics more, which is kind of weird. And I, I know I only named one just now <laughs> when I was naming them off, I realized that, but I don't know. I, I think it's cause it's a different perspective. There's not as many of them for one thing. Mm -hmm. So when you see that there's not as many female comics coming to a club, it's cause there's not as many female comics doing standup, but I enjoy their perspective generally more than a guy's because I know the guy perspective. And some of the stuff that they're writing is similar to some of the stuff I'm writing, like subject wise, the jokes obviously are going to be completely different, but I sometimes will know where the jokes going. Like, Oh yeah, I've experienced that too. Oh, this is where it's going to go. Yep. It went there. Sometimes with a, a female comic, I have no idea where it's going to go <laughs> and it, it's delightful when they get there. Yeah. So I think honestly, I think going with a female comic would be cool because 
I don't know why. I just, I just, that's, that's a feeling I get just doing, doing clubs with them would be cool. I guess I can stand next to them and scare people. I don't know. <laughs> I'd imagine that's a thing they're into now. Yeah. <laughs> Having somebody that will scare them off and also try not try to sleep with them. <laughs> is there uh is there anybody that you know of that like goes on the road, like self-funded, like is able to, do you know what I mean? Travel and do it. Uh, cause I'm sitting here thinking about it. Like you have to have somebody take you on the road or you have to kind of get big enough that clubs are going to, you know, reach out to you and they're going to pay for you to come. Right. And all those kind of different things. Is there anybody that just does it like a traveling comic? Doug Stanhope does. Have you ever heard of Doug, Doug Stanhope? Yeah. He does stuff like that. He'll just rent out like a bar or a small theater or something like that. And then just collect all the money because he rents it out. It's his for the night. Whatever he makes, he makes. So he does stuff like that. It's pretty rare. Usually if somebody's doing a theater or something like that, you know, they've got a big like live nation or something like that is behind it. And then as far as clubs go, there, I actually, I just opened for a guy this week where he like contacts businesses and gives them tickets and says, Hey, come out at $7 and he draws a huge crowd and he kind of I don't know if, I don't know how it works exactly if he like rents the club for the night or if he just takes a cut of the money. I don't know how it works, but that's a hundred percent him contacting clubs and contacting people saying, come out to this. And he just does like off nights, but that's a pretty rare thing too. Cause you could travel out and not have anybody show up <laughs> and you could lose a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, he makes it work, but it's I don't know. It's a pretty risky thing, <laughs> but most comics have agents if they're going to clubs or theaters or things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things like I've done bar gigs, like there's something called a triple run and there's a few, there's a Yoder run and things like that. And it's these promoters and they're mysterious. I've only talked to triple like a couple times. Is that their name? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His name is Dave triple and he books these weird bars in weird parts of the country like there's one in it was in idaho falls i don't even think they're doing it anymore but it was one of the worst gigs in the country i mean they're (laughs) terrible gigs and what makes them so bad nobody's there and the people that are there it's almost like you're interrupting their night like they went to that bar not knowing that there was going to be a stand up there (laughs) and now they have to be quiet and behave and they don't want to (laughs) It's almost like you knocked on their door and walked in their house and started doing stand up while they're trying to eat dinner. Yeah. It's 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 interrupting with comedy is is what those gigs are like. <laughs> and it's a long drive and you get paid if you feature, which is like kind of opening, you might get a hundred bucks. If you headline, you probably get two. And it's they're rough. Yeah. And some people say it makes you stronger. I've done them. I don't know. I just spent the whole time like reevaluating my whole life decisions. <laughs> like what am I doing? What here? led me to this point? Why am I why am I driving to Montana you know yeah. to do this? Or now I'm driving home or it's snowing and it's like, ugh, why did I do this? I don't want to do this anymore. So I don't do a lot of those just because I don't for me anyway, I don't think there's a the end justify the means. Mm-hmm. There's not a I don't think it makes you stronger to struggle. Is there that thing where you have to struggle? Like there's some, 
I'm trying to think of other things in life or in society where like, uh, like you're not respected. Um, you know what I mean? You're not given the same credit to people that have invested the time and the struggle and have like grinded it out. I don't think grinded is a word, uh, grounded out, (laughs) but have gone through that experience of all those shitty things. Is that still kind of a big thing in, um, stand up? Yeah, for sure. It, when, when I say it doesn't make you stronger to struggle, what I mean is if I'm just, if I'm going on a gig like that, I might as well just stand in front of a mirror and tell the jokes to myself sometimes. <laughs> so struggling is one thing, but when it's like there is no positives coming out of this situation at all, then I think that doesn't do any good. Yeah. But if you go like I am see quite a bit. MCing is actually the hardest job in stand-up because you're going in front of a crowd that was just talking. They just came in off the street. They're not in stand-up mode, and you've got to turn them from regular people to an audience. Sometimes you have five minutes. Sometimes you have 20 minutes. So it's always different, and you're going, and it's a cold crowd, and you've got to turn that up to where they're ready for the, the headliner to come up. And it that is... I've learned more from emceeing probably than doing any of those crappy bar gigs because you're and a lot of times when I'm emceeing, it's for a famous person. Yeah. And they're like, who's this guy? This isn't who I came to see. This isn't what I paid $40 for. Not this guy that's walking up to the stage right now. <laughs> it's our mailman. <laughs> right. Right. Well, a lot of times you're like, I don't want to even listen to this guy. Uh huh. And getting them to listen and pay attention and then start to laugh. And then like it by the end, it's, it's this weird thing. It's like if you went on a double date and you were the one getting the crowd or getting the, the, the two girls like laughing and enjoying and having a fun night. And then you tapped your friend on the shoulder and said, this is my buddy. You're going to have a threesome with him. Uh, have a great <laughs> night. Tip your waitress. And yeah. then you walk out. <laughs> You do all the leg work up front. Right. Yeah. And then bring in the closer. Right. <laughs> but I've learned more from doing that when you're going from absolutely zero expectations and then people walking out going, Hey, you were really funny. You know, I, I can't believe how funny you were. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's a struggle. So <clears throat> of course you have to struggle to get good, but I mean, it just takes time, stage time, stage time, stage time. And if it's, if it's not productive stage time, if you're not like actually interacting with the crowd, if they've got their backs to you or just yelling, shut up or get, you know, go, we want to dance. Sometimes it's a, they're going to be doing like line dancing right after the show's over and they just want to line dance. They don't want to listen to this crowd. (laughs) That's not doing anybody any good. Yeah. That's just a waste of time. That's just punishing yourself for no reason. Right. Right. It's not worth a hundred bucks. Yeah. Is the uh, is it pretty easy to get stage time in Salt Lake, like in the Valley? Not really. No. no, no. It takes time, and you have to you have to earn it really, because uh, the <clears throat> Keith who owns Wise Guys, he's pretty particular about who he wants to put on stage. He doesn't want to put somebody that's going to ruin the crowd on stage. Mm-hmm. So it takes it takes a few years to get. It took me six months to start opening for locals, and when I got better at that. Then you'll start opening for nationally touring acts, and then eventually you can MC for for the big names, and because they usually bring a feature with them, so it's it's an honor to be the only local guy on that show. It's it's really cool, 
but yeah, it takes a lot of time and you got to earn trust and know that you're not going to take over the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause somebody could take over the show. They could start bashing the club or things like that. And if you're a business owner, you don't want that. So yeah, you got to make sure you trust who's on stage. I totally understand. So it, it it's hard. And there's a lot of people that are pretty funny and they don't understand why they can't get on stage. And sometimes it's just one thing they said one time, or they're consistently doing something that like open mic. If you, have you ever been to an open mic? No. Open mic. <sighs> I don't know how to explain it. You can, <laughs> you can see somebody that's doing it for the first time, but brought 20 people uh-huh. and all their people are cheering for them and going nuts. And then you can see somebody and they'll do great. And then you'll see somebody that's been doing it for 10 years and they're trying something new and they bomb. And you'll think the new person is better than the person that's been doing it for 10 years and just bombed. It's, it's hard to tell sometimes at open mic who's good and who's not. Yeah. And it just gets super dirty. So I don't even remember what I was talking about now. How did I get to open mic? <laughs> it gets super dirty. Like it's open mic typically when everybody like. It's the lowest common denominator. Really? Honestly. Yeah. Because people think to be funny, you got to be dirty. I think to be dirty, you got to be funny first. So you got to learn how to write a joke. You got to learn how to be funny with things that anybody can find funny. And then you can make dirty funny, but you can't just go up and be dirty and think that's how stand up works. Cause it's not, it just, it turns people off. Like people that aren't even offended are just like, Ooh, that's why, why did we have to listen to that? Now I've got a picture of that. That's gross. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as far as, you know, getting stage time, you have to go through that process. So you have to go through all of the open mic type stuff and then you start doing weekends or you'll do like local people do Thursdays a lot of times. So you'll open for a local person and some people, it just doesn't translate. Like they're doing great at open mic. This is where I was going. <laughs> they're doing great at open mic. People are laughing. I call them open mic all-stars because that doesn't translate. They put them on another show. And people just don't know what's going on. The crowd is like, I don't understand this. I want it to stop. <laughs> and it's the same stuff that the open mic crowd thought was hilarious because they're playing to the back of the room. That's They're trying to make other comics laugh. They're trying to impress their buddies instead of trying to write something that the crowd will enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't translate when you're, when you're trying to impress other comics. And sometimes there's a temptation when you're opening for, for somebody famous Cause you want them to take it, take you out on the road. I was going to say like, like, is that a thing where you're like, if only like this, like I'm going to tailor my, you know, right. my jokes, the bits that I'm going to bring out because of whoever's, you know, whoever I'm emceeing right. for and that hopes. Or you're like, I've got this newer joke and it might not work, but they might love it. And all, you know, <laughs> so in the, in the end, you just want to do the best you can. And if, if they like it, they'll take you out. Yeah. So that's the main thing is if, whether you're funny or not, they have to be able to like you and know that you're not just trying to use them because that's what a lot of people do. But I mean, that's a temptation to try and impress them. But impressing comics is never going to work <laughs> with a regular crowd because what a comic finds funny sometimes does not translate. What a comic finds funny is what they try to open mic to figure out that it doesn't work <laughs> in front of a regular show. So that makes them laugh, but it doesn't make the crowd laugh at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So yeah, you're not gonna be able to pull that off on a weekend. You'll just bomb. Yeah. Okay, man. I got 
two more questions for okay. you, and then we're going to wrap up. All right. First off, thank you very much. It's been Glad a joy to be speaking here. with yeah, you. Yeah, it's fun. Give uh, the person out there like your best advice when it comes to stand up and getting up there on stage. Um, you just gotta be brave. Really, it's tough to go in front of people. It's it's one of the biggest fears in the country. I think is public speaking. And then when you try, you add trying to make somebody laugh into that. It's really, really hard. <laughs> it's hard to do. People, people just kind of watch stand up and go, "I think I could do that. I'm, I'm funny. Yeah. I, think, I think I could do that." But not everybody can. So, but as far if somebody out there is listening to this and they've always wanted There's to try three it, people. Oh, really? Yeah, we've got three listeners. Okay, I'm one of them. Okay. <laughs> the main thing is just do it. Yeah. I mean, if you bomb. So what? Everybody bombs at first and you just, people aren't going to remember. Honestly, if you bomb when you're new, it's not like people are going to go, well, that's the guy. That's the guy that bombed. Nobody else ever bombed, but that guy, yeah. it's not going to be like that. So, well, it's like the whole thing where like, if you knew how often people thought about you, like you wouldn't really be that concerned with what right. people thought about you, right? Right, because everybody else is thinking about themselves just like you're thinking about uh -huh. yourself. So yeah, just don't be afraid. Also prepare yourself that it might not go well. <laughs> There's a chance. <laughs> right. Just go up there and think, if I get any laugh at all, that's good. Yeah. And Like at our club, Wise Guys, uh, usually the MC, unless it's just somebody that's never done it too many times, Usually the MC will let the crowd know this is their first time. Let's make a lot of noise for them. Let's encourage them. And you end up leaving feeling okay because the crowd, nobody's going to yell at you or yell, you suck or anything like that. That's a that's one thing people think stand-up is, is the crowd. Like if you've seen Showtime at the, the Apollo, that's the only place. <laughs> most most stand-up is not like that. There's yeah. like a lot of black rooms and stuff like that. That's just how they do it. And... Would I go there? Probably not <laughs> because they'd probably eat me alive. I'm, I'm willing to admit that because if you don't make them laugh right there and they don't like what you're talking about, they're going to boo you off stage and they're going to let you hear it. And that's scary to me. So yeah. that would be like starting stand up all over again. So I don't see myself doing those rooms anytime soon, but yeah, just, just do it. Just you can put it, it off huh? and put it off. If you, if you think you've got a joke, you know, kind of, if you've watched stand up, you kind of know how a joke goes. You get a setup, edit that setup down. A lot of times, even with me writing and I've written for a while, the setup is way too long. And that's why I do open mic is I, I got to learn. Okay. That's way too long. I got to condense that down, make it as quick as possible. And then usually you've already got the punchline before you even write the setup. Cause you already know what's funny about the situation you're talking about. So as long as the punchline's good, you can you can whittle everything else down later, but yeah, it's just getting up there and trying it. You're not gonna die, probably. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> probably. <laughs> There's a slight chance that you may, but you, you might question yourself on the drive home. Or... <laughs> a lot of people bring a ton of people. Yeah, which is why there's open mic crowds. I didn't. I didn't. I went by myself. The only people that knew I did it for about six months was my wife and kids. My parents didn't know. My siblings didn't know. It was just my little secret. And then you came out of the closet. Yeah. 
Because if I was terrible at it, I didn't even want it to be a thing. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to be one of those like, hey, everybody come see me do this for the first time. It's going to be awesome. You didn't have your Facebook page next weekend. Yeah, exactly. So don't build up a huge expectation for yourself because it is very hard to do. Yeah. And it does take a lot of work. Okay. I got one more question for you. Uh, it's completely off the wall. Um, what did you think of the new trailer for uh, Solo? I think it's cool. At Isn't first, it at first when they, they announced that kid, I was like, he doesn't look like Harrison Ford at all. <laughs> but they made him actually look a little bit like Harrison Ford. And he's got the same hair. You got Chewie. You got Lando. I think uh, Ron Howard is... He, he's done some good things, you know? He's done more than some good things. Yeah. I think he's got a couple Academy Awards. Yeah, I mean, he did Willow. <laughs> I heard George Lucas actually directed a scene in it. Really? Yeah, he kind of showed up on, on set one day. And they're like, hey, George, what do you think about this? And he's like, well, why doesn't Han do this? And then they put it in there and he kind of directed the scene. So, I mean, it might be 30 seconds, but at least it's got his blessing, I guess. I think it looks cool, though. I'm it excited does. for it. I'm excited they're telling you these other stories inside the universe. Like people were upset. I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So <laughs> uh, I actually do panels at Comic-Con. Do you? Yeah. That's that's one of the my favorite things about stand-up has gotten me, is doing panels it's at Comic-Con. Yeah, because there's no other way. I'm not an, ex <laughs> an expert at anything. I'm a fan, but you know I've got a perspective and I can yeah. be funny on the panel. But uh, when, when they first announced, when Disney bought... Uh, star wars and said you know all the books are not canon anymore people were freaking out but this is why it's so they can t retell the story of han solo and also they killed chewbacca <laughs> in the books and now he's back in the movies yeah. spoiler alert <laughs> he's in the movies <laughs> but yeah now they can tell their own stories and you still have the books you can still read the books but now because they didn't have the ability to do the movies 20 years ago when they were writing those books it would have been cool to have a cartoon series or something like that, but they didn't. And now they can tell whatever they want. And it, it's a Star Wars story, so some of the movies might even at some point conflict with each other because it's almost like a story. It's the version of it. But all I know is Rogue One was amazing. Rogue One was a killer movie. Yeah. And if they can recreate that with Han Solo and then start bringing in... I mean, they talk about a Yoda movie. I think an Obi-Wan movie would be cool. The Obi-Wan is the one that I want to see. Like, have you seen the interviews? Because I've seen a couple of interviews with Ewan, and he talks about He's like, yeah, like, you know, that would be wonderful. It would be great. I would totally be down for that. Yeah, I don't know why he's not growing the beard right now. You <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs> that's the one I want to see. Yeah, I was for sure. always a fan. And then, like, I just love Ewan McGregor. And uh, I think that would be a really, really, but they're not doing anything bad right now. It's almost like they have that, um, like Marvel in a sense is right. not doing anything bad right now. And they will. Yeah. They will. A lot of people didn't like episode nine. I don't get it. I loved it. I yeah. thought it was great. It was but different. You can't please everybody. I think that was the most, uh, cause if you look at that one and then compared to not just Rogue One, but, um, oh hell, what was the first one? Force Awakens. Yes. Uh, like this last one was much more, you could tell that it was like Disney because they had, um, like stuff that was specifically for the kids sitting in the audience more and like, and not just in general, but like almost like to an excess, right? Like, like they, the Porgs are, is that the little pigeon right. penguin thing? Do you want to know the story about why they're in there? Yeah. Cause where they filmed it, there was actually 
puffins mm-hmm. all over that island and they couldn't clear out the puffins. You, you just couldn't do it because they're flying around all over. So instead of having an earthbound puffin in the movie, they changed it to a porg. So instead of clearing out all their habitat and messing with an indigenous species, they just used it to their advantage and turned them into porgs. And, and that's made, why they're in there. Yeah. And made millions and of dollars. I love the Ewoks when I was a kid. <laughs> that's what I thought of when you I know? saw it. Yeah. Little kids love them. Who, if, you, if you've got a problem with something because a kid likes it, get over yourself. It's Star Wars. <laughs> At it's the end of the day, it's fun. for kids, right? Yeah. It's for kids. You're an adult that still loves it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I am too. But it's it's for kids. Yeah. Just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Take a deep breath. Right. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. I think it looks good. I'm excited. I think that uh, like right now, I think like right now I feel like I'm... Obviously, I grew up watching movies. I'm a ginormous, like, just insane uh, movie buff, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like right now is, like, the sweetest time to be alive because they're putting out such good stuff. Oh, Not yeah. just Star Wars, but everything, right? Like, yes, there are bad movies still, but right. the movies today, it, I mean, they're just so much better. Even the ones that we go back and watch, even, the like, the ones that are... Do you know what I mean? You have such a sweet spot in your heart for some of them hold up. Some of them you can go back and rewatch, but not a lot of them, like a lot of them sucked, (laughs) (laughs) even though we forgot about it. Uh, But nowadays it's like everything out is so good and it's such a good time to be alive. It's everything we wanted in our childhood. We always Mm -hmm. wanted more Star Wars movies, but they didn't do them. We wanted the Marvel characters in movies. We wanted to see Batman and Superman in the same movie. And now we've got it and then we complain about it. <laughs> it's not what I wanted. It's not exactly how I wanted the story to go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, man. Travis, for it's having been a pleasure. Me. I appreciate it. Uh, easiest way for people to find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Travis Tate. I've also got a comedian page. I didn't start it a week after. It was about a year <laughs> you after. You waited until two weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Travis Tate Funny. Um, Travis Tate funny on Instagram and uh, Twitter as well. I think I do Snapchat. I don't know how it works. To be I honest with Snapchat. you, <laughs> yeah. I Somebody's like, Snapchat. you, you got to have it. You got to have it. I'm like, all right, I've got it. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> it snaps for me. I don't know what it does. Yeah. And then uh, we have a lot of listeners, obviously locally. Um, and so, wise guys, are you typically downtown, or do you do all three of them? Or I do all three of them pretty regularly. I. I've headlined, uh, in December, I headlined, uh, the Ogden one. I've done the downtown one on like Thursday nights a couple times. So if you just check the wise guys website, I'm doing that every once in a while. I'm at one of them. If you follow me on Facebook, I usually post where I'm going to be. And I'm usually at one of them at least three times during the month. So yeah, I get a pretty good rotation. So, oh, and then the, uh, the vid angel, Keep an eye out for the video. Yeah, keep an eye out for the Vin Angel. If you follow them on Facebook, they're always posting little clips from from other people, and if you you just watch them for free, the little it's just little YouTube videos from it, and that doesn't cost you anything. You can kind of see what you like and what you don't. But mine will be popping up there eventually. <laughs> One it day. takes them a while to edit everything out. Yeah, they do like twenty of them all at once, and then just go through and edit them, and because they've got like four four K cameras and they've got like ten of them all around the place. It's it's mic'd up all over the place. So they do all the different angles and stuff. It's pretty impressive what they do. It's that that's kind of why it's taken a while. It's not just 
my you know tripod and camcorder at the back of the room yeah. recording that I can just <laughs> upload in one night. Yeah. So when it comes out, it should be pretty cool. Excellent, man. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. It's been and, fun. Uh, everybody go out and have a beautiful, wonderful day. That's like my uh, DJ sign off. See ya. There's no shortcuts. Like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not, it's not. So the main thing is just try and be as happy as you can and enjoy doing stand up in the meantime. I might as well just stand in front of a mirror and tell the jokes to myself sometimes. <laughs> You're not a comic unless other comics call you a comic. Because people think to be funny, you got to be dirty. I think to be dirty, you got to be funny first. If you want it bad enough and you're willing to put the work in and also deal with like the heartbreak of it, I think anybody can do just about anything they want.